Okay, go. Go for it. One. No. Two. No, no. Count, count, that's count, 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 Three. No, count down the other direction. Start at five. And you don't have to yell. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Chris Harmer of Harmer Shadow Auctions, and I'm at Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. I, I mean, I have to say, when I, when I heard that like people actually watch this show, I was I was actually pretty surprised. I'm Ernest Borgnine. I collect stamps. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 121. I'm Cash. I'm Sean. I'm Troy. I'm surrounded. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your host, Dawn. And we are at Stamp Show Steve's Anaheim Stamp Show. We are again seeking the elusive stamp collector in his natural habitat. Let's see what we find. Test, 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 test. I'm here with Dave Cobb with Newport Harbor Stamp Company. So Dave, you want to give some people some contact information for you first? Tell them how to get in touch with you? Well, you could reach me at newportharborstamps at gmail.com. You could call me at 1-800-722-1022. And you could see me at all the major shows around the country. And what do you sell? Classic U.S. stamps. The better the quality, the better I like it. <laughs> so how do you make, if you were to advise an upcoming stamp dealer, what advice would you give them for making money with stamps? Well, making money with stamps goes two different ways. There's higher end and lower end, and each way could probably work. But you have to obviously buy right. So what you want to do is the higher the quality, the better you can do but of course that takes an initial investment, which not everybody has. So a lot of people start off just by buying collections, taking out the nicer stuff, and then selling the rest of the collection intact to try to get your money out of it, and then maybe you can make a few bucks on the better items that you took out. Cool, and I know I've seen you do that several times. I'm looking at your table, and pretty much I can't see anything on, oh, here's one item that's less than $1,000 right here. It's got faults. 
How do you get to a standpoint where you can have an entire table covered with $1,000 to $5,000 items? Oh, hold on. You have a $19,000 ZEP set. So, well, what does it take? Well, you can inherit a couple of million dollars. That would work. <laughs> no, seriously, um, it, it takes time and patience. You, you need to build your way up to it if you don't have the initial investment, which I didn't. I started in this business in 1982 with $500 and just worked my way up and had to work like a normal person until I got really going maybe six or seven years later. So it takes patience, it takes and a certain enjoyment. You need to enjoy what you're doing. You need to enjoy collecting, although it's pretty hard to collect and be a dealer at the same time because you would really want to keep everything that you received <laughs> that was nice. I know several of those. So, so I, I would say that just start, start buying what you can afford and pay for whatever you buy. Don't, no credit. No credit, no three months, four months, five months, six months to pay because you're just going to get yourself in a bind. So just get what you can afford and just start slowly. Have you ever seen that before where people get themselves in a bind with taking stamps out on credit? I sure, mean, most of the wholesalers that are running around the shows have been in binds once, once or twice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another one. I wish I could get one of the whole, uh, wholesalers. I have no clue how they make money. They just go around from table to table, just buying and selling, buying at auction, buying from other dealers, quote, picking them off, which means sometimes a dealer who deals mostly in foreign stamps gets a U.S. collection, not too sure what he's got, and these wholesalers will find little odds and ends that they could pick up as a cheaper version of the same design and then find out what it really is and sell it at a, at a large profit. Uh, okay, I got that. Well, any last advice to people? The biggest thing is you need to enjoy what you're doing. Don't, don't go and be a stamp dealer if you're not involved in stamps because it, it, you're not going to have the feel for it. You're not going to have the enjoyment of it. It's not a business that you're going to go into that you're going to study for and just all of a sudden start making money. Enjoy collecting and start slowly, build up little by little. Thank you very much, Dave. That was excellent. My pleasure. That really was excellent. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, hello, hello. I'm here with Ray Martin with Quality Philatelics. Ray, why don't you tell people about your business and uh, how to get in contact with you and what you sell? Well, we sell, we sell mainly worldwide and mainly mint. And uh, I don't sell much individual stamps. I don't sell 10 cent stamps, things like that. Most of what I sell is basically $50 and up sets is what I inventory mostly. I do have stuff under that, but most of it's $50 and up. I more deal with the advanced collectors. Cool. So how do you, how do you make money with stamp collecting? Well, you can buy stamps different ways. You can buy them from collectors that no longer want to collect. You can go to auction. Sometimes you can buy them from other dealers. And you just try to buy them at a level that you think you can still make money selling them at. What level do you make? 
Well, it depends on the kind of merchandise it is. If I think I can sell it for $100, then I probably don't want to pay more than $50, $60 because it's not like some some areas of selling things. You buy a, you spend $1,000 on stamps, and in, in six months you might get half your money back. It's not like you can flip it the next day, and so you have to have margins that make sense, being you can't flip them. So how long does it normally take you to make a sale or to, let's say, tear apart a collection or something like that? Uh, it's all, they're all different. Some collections I don't take anything out of. I just sell them, I just mark the collection up because there's nothing I need or want for inventory. If it's stuff that I like, then of course I take more time. It could take a, a matter of minutes. And I've had the collections take three or four months to break down. Just, there was just that big of a collection and we broke the whole thing down. Cool. So the, the, the variables are endless. So what would you suggest a person who is getting into, who wants to be a dealer? What would you make suggestions? Uh, first off, what is he going to deal in? Because you can't deal in everything. Can't, U.S. is pretty much saturated, especially in our area. There's the, the guys that have the inventories already. You couldn't compete with them if you were brand new, unless you had a lot of money and knew exactly what you were doing. I think that, uh, and you can. I mean, we have guys that are in the business selling ten cent stamps and doing, making thousands of dollars every month. But you have to determine what you want to do. I mean, you collect and you deal and you have certain things that you like a lot and you buy them and you hoard them and keep them and we're all like that. I mean, it's a game. You figure out what, what, what position you want to be in and that's where you go. Well, how about this? What success stories have you had and like what type of lessons can you give people that, you know, it, it may be a once in a lifetime thing, but when this once in a lifetime thing comes up, you better recognize it. Well, it can happen. It happens to guys. It happens to dealers. They buy some, they buy a lot, and uh, turns out there's something very rare or exotic in there. They can make a lot of money. Well, everybody hopefully will get that sometime during their business dealings, because you know there's so many things you buy that you never sell. You die with. I mean, I have things that I bought over the years that my grandkids are going to have a hard time getting rid of it all. You try to avoid that, though, obviously. Well, of course you do. You know, you learn and you live and learn is what it is. And through do dealing as many years as we have, um, you just know, you have, your gut tells you a lot of it. So what does your gut tell you is the best things to buy right now? You said U.S. is not one of them. No, I didn't. I said that that's tough to start dealing in now because you would have to compete with the guys that are already established. Um, I like the Asia area and because stamp collecting is newer to that part of the world than the rest of the civilized world. That it has uh, more longevity, in my opinion. I don't think that. 25 years from now, there'll be a, a, anywhere near the kind of stamp business that we have today in, in that period of time. The number of collectors is diminishing. It's just, uh, I know the Boy Scouts work with, uh, they work with the Boy Scouts trying, and now they have to do their coin badge and their stamp merit badge, and that helps, helps bring some of them in, but the numbers are still not big enough.
What about like India? That's one that I've heard a lot about. Well, India and China both, you know, they have huge populations. Uh, India has passed some really strict laws about stamps recently and that uh, anything that is more than, I think it's 100 years old, you cannot sell to anybody outside the country legally. And so that's helping the market and there and just like with the Chinese. The Chinese, you have far more collectors, people interested in stamps in India and China than you have stamps numbers of each individual stamp. Well, well, they don't make a billion stamps in the yeah. Chinese. I mean, a lot of their issues, there's 10, 11, 12 million in the issue. Well, that's not even a thimbleful compared to the people. Yeah. But India, I think, is in the same boat with both of them having in excess of a billion people. I personally buy a lot of China, and I save it. I buy a lot of India, and I save it. I'm hoping that down the road, it'll pay off. Well, great. Any last-minute little tidbits you'd advise a person who wants to get started? Uh, study it first. Don't just jump in feet first because you can spend a lot of money on this and spend it all wrong. And I would suggest rather than buying individual stamps, buy uh, go to auctions, study your auctions, try to buy at auctions because auctions generally you can... You know that you're in lots accumulations. You're competing with a, a knowledgeable dealer, and if you can buy it around the range where he want doesn't where he wants to stop, you know that you can't lose money. But you may not know how to market it. But at least you know you got a better buy than you would get, say, just buying it at the show from another dealer who's already picked through it. So it's sort of like in an auction, you have a second opinion, sort of, to fall back on. Well, yeah, and maybe you have a third and fourth. There may be a number of people bidding on it, and that just tells you that lots of better lot. And uh, but you have to realize if you're the winner, you're the one that's going to make the least amount of money that bid on that lot because everybody went up to a point where they said, "Okay, now for me, it doesn't make sense anymore." But buying nice stuff is always good, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ray. That was fantastic. You're more than welcome. Glad I could help out. Test, 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 test. That was weird. Okay. I'm here with Marcel. Marcel, why don't you tell everybody what your business is, what you sell, how to get in contact with you, stuff like that. Yeah. I sell STEM around the world, you know, especially French, Monaco, high-end plastic. I sell STEM to the focus collector. Some STEM, you know, 100,000, 50,000, and I love to sell high-end stamps. I have a lot of junk stamps from China, from new issue that I sell to the mediocre, you know, <laughs> collector. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love to be the stamp collector and stamp I collect too, you know. Yeah. What do you I, collect? I collect high-end stamps. Well, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. uh, not this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this to sell, you know. But uh, I collect high-end stamps, especially French mm -hmm. and Monaco and uh, Imperial China. I have a complete collection of Imperial China. Beautiful. Wow. I love beautiful stamps. Good. Yeah. So, the question is, how do you make money with stamp collecting? You're a dealer. How do you make money? I make money on the high-end stamp. 
you know the low end stem is no profit on low end stem you buy two dollar you can sell two dollar and a half you buy three dollar you can possibly sell four dollar that's it but I love it because I can see people come to my booth and say oh that's gorgeous two dollar ten dollar I love to hear that yeah but I usually make a ton of money on a high-end stamp especially friend US and Monaco and French Antarctic something like that well it's funny because you say well this stuff and right in front you have a monkey a Chinese monkey you have some very nice PRC issues and stuff obviously you have sort of two different businesses yes I do yeah you know I have a complete collection of PRC from number one to now and now you can find something you know impossible to find in a market like this you know yeah and in Westpac I bring all the stamp you can see it's unbelievable new issue you cannot find anywhere I have them all no. <laughs> so how would a person who is just starting to become a dealer, yeah. and let's say they want to deal in China and France, yeah. what suggestions would you give them if they wanted to be a dealer? If they want to be a dealer, even the junkie stamp, you have to find beautiful stamp and ship. Don't buy the hint, cancel, and junkie stamp. It's so hard to... Uh, to spend your time to classify to do all kind of things give you a headache I advise you beautiful stamp no value but have to be beautiful to attract children to attract people who like beautiful stamp like this you know something like that you know and um, for PRC revolution you have to find the gorgeous never hidden well centered something like that quality stamp is fit for money well, you just sold Dawn. You pointed to it. It's the uh, Monkey King set. Monkey complete set. Yes. And it's a gorgeous set. It's not oh, expensive, gorgeous. but it's a beautiful it set. Beautiful. But you cannot find this thing on the market. You go to China, you cannot find this. You may find this and this, but you cannot find this. And he's pointing to the book, the little yes. flip book. She has one. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. When I saw it, I thought it was gorgeous. You, you flip through it and... Of course, it's Chinese, so it's backwards, so I opened yeah, it up the right. wrong way to start with. But when I opened it up, it was like, wow, the colors on these are just unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. This is gorgeous. Yeah. And then it's not expensive, you know. No. You can afford to buy it, though. It's beautiful. Right. That's what I sell. Beautiful stamp. Affordable stamp. Yep. But it had to be beautiful and quality. Spit for the money. So any last uh, little tidbits you want to give anybody? Any last advice? The advice is sell quality stamp, ups, upside down, even a low stamp, quality, beautiful stamp. Don't sell a lot of junk, cancel, and all kind of things like that. Right. That's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, Isn't that true? Yes, it's very true. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Great. i show you one thing. It's so oh, beautiful. Oh, wait, wait. Oh. This is interesting. Batteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are the uh, Chinese proverbs. Yeah, those are interesting. Oh, oh my God. China, oh, China Disney Resort. Yeah. Really? Unbelievable. You cannot find that in the in stamp store. A stamp box, post office. See? Oh. 
Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, I have one that's traveling. Yeah. I look at the four tents there. Great. See? Oh, yeah. Take a picture of this with your phone. And now for Cash's corrections. Okay, so I just have one correction, and I knew it was going to come up. Uh, last episode, we were talking about the first battle of World War I being in Guam. And uh, well, I want to thank Indy Nidell with the Great Wars podcast on YouTube for two answering two questions. First of all, shots were fired. When the United States found out they were at war with Germany, they went out to the ship the Cormoran to take it because it was in their harbor. Well, the Germans got in a boat and they sped off in front of it to warn the ship that they were at war. The one ship, the U.S. ship, shot at the other ship to get it to stop, you know, shots across the bow sort of thing. So there were actually shots. Second thing, there were nine Germans killed in the scuttling of the boat. Now, I don't know why you die from a scuttling unless, like, you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time or you drown as you're swimming away or something. But nine Germans died. And lastly, there he brought up an interesting thing. The crew of the Cormoran was 325 people strong. There were actually more Germans, German sailors, on Guam than there were U.S. soldiers. And so if they actually had some sort of an insurrection or something, they would outnumber the U.S. Anyway, they were taken prisoner and they were sent to Utah and Guam, or Utah and Georgia for the duration of the war. Wow. Yep. And thank you, Indy Nidell, for correcting Cash. Oh, yeah. It, great, great, great podcast, uh, The Great Wars. We watch it all the time. I mean, it's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do a fab. And I love the desk. Yes, he has a great desk. Oh my gosh, he's got a great desk. Yes. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Steve Patillo and the dealers at the monthly Anaheim Stamp Show and YouTube, particularly Indy Nidell and The Great War. Also check out good friend of the show, Tony Mancuso's website, BarneyStamps.com, on eBay. He sells 19th and 20th century stamps at auction on eBay, with many starting as low as $1.99. We invite you to check out StampFinder.com, the Bloomberg of Philately, with great information on the stamps of the world and their values. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. Uh. <laughs> In one take. One take. Well, 
<laughs> because of Troy. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today.